ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's time for What Do You Call It Podcast. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in debut episode of What You Call It podcast. I'm your host, GB. Now, the wrestler that I'm interviewing today is a man with two hands that has a fighting chance. He beat AJ Styles not once, not twice, but three times on national television. He's appeared on WrestleMania, Royal Rumbles, you name it, he's been there. None other than James Ellsworth. How are you doing today, mate? I'm good, man. Some of your first guests. We're starting this podcast all with a bang. Definitely, man. I'm, uh, you know, I, I, thought, I think it's an absolute pleasure to have you as my first guest. And, um, you know, you're sort of well known. But before we talk about what made you a superstar, let's rewind the clocks a little bit. Let's go back to the beginning and let's know what made you a wrestling fan. Man, I've been watching wrestling since I was four or five years old, since I can remember. I can't remember not watching wrestling but in the late 80s man i'd turn on the tv see the ultimate warrior a you know a larger than life cartoon character then i would turn to another channel and see ricky morton robert gibson the rock and roll express who are just you know gritty like cool looking wrestlers so i was just into it all man but those are the first wrestlers i remember seeing is the ultimate warrior and uh, ricky morton no that's cool man and as you sort of became a fan of wrestling what actually made you want to become a wrestler? It's kind of the same answer. I can't remember not wanting to be a wrestler. I remember in like first or second grade, um, all the kids had to dress up um, of what they wanted to be when they grew up. And my dad was like, oh, don't you like baseball? We'll put you in your baseball uniform because I played Little League Baseball. And I said, no. I said, let me wear, um, you know, like uh, a wrestling costume and anything. Where would we get a wrestling costume? And why would you want to be a wrestler? Mm. And I remember saying, I don't know, it looks fun. It looks, you know, and yeah, I'm like six or seven years old at this point. And we had to go out and just like put together a crappy looking wrestling costume. And I went to school and said, I want to be a wrestler. And everybody's kind of looking at me weird. You know, you're first or second grade, like, okay. <laughs> and you know, all the other kids are dressed up as firefighters, police officers, doctors, you know, stuff like that. And I'm sitting there in my, made wrestling gear <laughs> to be a wrestler. <laughs> no, that's, that's cool, man. So, obviously, you became a fan of wrestling. You actually sort of went out to become a wrestler. Can you tell us more about how you discovered Axel Rotten School? So, when I graduated um, high school, I was 17 years old, very young, and I was going to independent wrestling shows since I was 15, just kind of watching the shows and you know, they would always have a table set up for the wrestling school. Mm -hmm. um, and I would always tell them for two years, hey, when I graduate, I'm going to sign up. When I graduate, I'm going to sign up. And they're like, okay, okay. So when I graduated, four days later, when the first day the wrestling school was open that week, I went and signed up. And they were like, oh, man, you've been telling us for two years you're going to sign up. And you finally did. And I was like, well, I told you guys I'd graduate high school. And, and you know, um, Axel wasn't a part of my training at first in the school, although he had a hand in training at the school. It wasn't until mm -hmm. later on after I graduated from that school that I found Axel Rutt, and he trained me 
before shows. I would go on car rides with him. I would go to other wrestling schools with him and train. And I learned so much from him. I learned more from him than I did anybody else. And that's why I give him a lot of the credit. Yeah. Because he really, like the wrestling school I went to, it was pretty decent, man. It was pretty traditional, basic wrestling school. They taught me all the basics, how to hit the ropes, how to bump, how to conduct myself. And they did a good job at it. Um, but it wasn't until I met Axel that I really started understanding and getting the psychology and the art form of professional wrestling. And I owe a lot of that to him. No, that's, that's cool, man. And just as you were saying, uh, you know, you discovered Axel at school. Um, I just want to know, because after that, you would actually go into the independent circuit. Jimmy Dream was uh, your independent name. Can you just tell us how actually you, know, you came up with that name and what was it like being on the independent scene? Well, at first, I didn't really have much of a gimmick. I was just, like you said, Jimmy Dream. James is my real first name, so my nickname's Jimmy. And then wrestling was my dream. Mm. So I would go with that, like, with that. I, w- I wanted to, like, I had, like, a dream catcher on my tights. And this Jimmy Dream is a kid named Jimmy chasing his dream was the gimmick. And yeah. It was and, and nobody really understood it. But to me, it was cool. I was like, okay, I, my finisher was called the dream catcher. And I'm just chasing my dream. I'm just running through the independence, chasing my dream. And. Like, you know, for me, it was cool. And, you know, people I would explain it to would think it was cool. But that was the issue. I mean, I had to explain it to people. And any gimmick that you have to explain to people is not a good gimmick. They need to understand what it is right away. And so later on, I became pretty Jimmy Dream where I had long hair and I'm wearing mascara and fishnets and bright colors and purple. And people understood that right away. This guy that thinks he's pretty, you know, he thinks he's a pretty man and, and he's not <laughs> yeah and so they they understood that right away once i added the pretty to it did you um so independence were sort of known as well where you would maybe have a lot of former wwf stars uh coming to the shows was there any sort of special names or anyone that sort of stands out to you that gave you some good advice or any experiences that you know you sort of taken with you along the road well yeah i um like early on in my career, I wrote a shows with Tatanka, and he was always giving good advice. We um he would come in once a month. Um, I live in Maryland, Baltimore, Maryland, and we would go to West Virginia, mm-hmm. um, for Coffee Pro and um, Tatanka. They were using him like every month, so we they'd fly him into Baltimore, and I'd pick him up from the airport. Uh, my buddy Adam and I, and we would ride with him. I remember picking his brain on those uh, trips, and he would give me great advice. And and um, uh, RVD, I met. <laughs> it's so crazy. Uh, WWE had a show here where I live, and I ran into RVD after the show outside. And I said, hey, uh, Rob, I- I'm in wrestling. I'm in the independence. Any advice? He said, you need to find something that you're better than than everybody else, and you take that and you run with it. That's all he said. And I, and to this day, I just, re- just remember him saying that, and I was like, what am I good at that nobody – like that I can be better than everybody else at? I was like, I'm small. I'm not really, uh, I'm athletic, but not crazy athletic. I don't really have the look. So I was just trying to find, what am I, and man, it was the storytelling and the, and the charisma and the and the talking. That, that, that's my niche. That's what I'm good at. That's what yeah. Axel Rotten always told me I was good at. He's like, you're a good storyteller. You're, you're good at promos. He's like, you need to really, you know, focus on your strengths and hide your weaknesses. He's like, your weaknesses are you're small. You're, you know, you don't look like you belong on GQ magazine. Like, you're not going to do 450s and moonsaults, even though you can. I never wanted to do those type of moves because I didn't want to blow out my knees or get injured a lot. And not yeah. what I've never been injured a lot. 
So um, I had to focus on being charismatic, my characterization and my verbal skills uh, to carry me. And that was like, I remember RVD telling me that then, man, I like became cool with Shane Douglas and he was always willing to give advice. And Teddy Long to this day, Teddy Long is one of my best friends. I uh, met him on the independence before I ever made it to WWE. And, and we're, I just talked to him yesterday. We're really good friends. Yeah, man. He always gave me blatant, real advice like a lot of the guys will be nice and just you know mm. say what you want to hear or whatever and he was quite blunt so, but in a good way always, oh man in a good <laughs> way always real always and i appreciated that so much and um and to this day like i said he's a really good friend of mine and man when i made it he called me and congratulated me and said man and he's like man i ain't surprised play all that charisma you got yeah like and he always told me it was kind of the same place Axel gave me. Focus on, you know, your strengths and hide your weaknesses. And if you have a lot of weaknesses, if you have some strengths, you can use those strengths to your advantage. And that's, you know, that's the best advice I could give anybody. And I always tell everybody, get in the business. Fine. And that, cause that was a good question you asked. Like, you know, when independent shows running into these former WWE wrestlers and legends and all that. Yeah. When you're on indie shows, find these guys, talk to these guys. If you're starting out, you're going to a training school, find. Go to a school where the people that are training uh, wrestlers are people that made it in the business and made money and made a living and traveled the world. Find those guys. Because like I said, I went to a decent wrestling school, but I didn't understand any of it until I, I was around Axel, who traveled the world, worked for one of, the, one of the big companies. I made a living off of wrestling, and that's the best advice I give to people getting into the business is, you know, pick those legends' brains and find a school to where the guys that are training people have uh, been there and done it in the business. No, that's that's awesome, man. Because I feel like unless you ask, you don't know. And you've done it yourself. And obviously, you know, you made a friendship out of it as well, especially like Teddy Long. Have you ever thought about opening your own wrestling school? You know, I have. Um, when I really started looking for buildings to do it in and all, um, that this thing called the pandemic started. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, tell me about it. It's just ruined everything, hasn't uh, it? And, yeah, and I was like, well, there goes that for now. But I, I do feel like in the future I will because I, I, it's something that I know I can do well and I think I'd be good at and mm. I'd have a lot of fun at. So that that's what life's about to me is fun. So if I could do something fun where I'm teaching people and helping people, I'm all for it. Uh, I do – my friend, um, that live, he lives like 25, 30 minutes from me. He has a ring at his house. And I, I am training one guy right now, Big Trouble Ben Bishop, if you want to look him up on Twitter – He's yeah. seven foot tall, 275 pounds, just big, good-looking guy. You know, like, I think he has a lot of potential um, to get signed to WWE one day. So I'm focusing on him a lot, helping him out. Um, I'm actually going to train him tomorrow. So uh, I do – right now he's my one and only student. and um, But I, I do enjoy it, taking him on the car rides and uh, taking him to the shows, getting him booked like Axel used to do with me. No, that's awesome, man. I'll keep an eye out for him. And I think uh, I'll look forward to the future on WWE TV, trained by James Ellsworth. <laughs> It'll be a pretty good reaction. And just to hear the commentators putting it over, that'd be awesome, man. <laughs> just before we talk about your uh, debut in the WWE official, because the reason why I say official is a lot of people may forget, is he was actually a rosebud uh, with yeah. uh, Adam Rose. Uh, can you tell us more about that? How did you get the gig? Was it because it was uh, in your hometown or you knew someone? Yeah, like, um, 
wrestling's political like everything else, but like when WWE um, comes to your city, you know, before the pandemic, <laughs> um, they use indie guys as extras, and extra means you're in the background. You're you're not you know you're there to either be a security guard, a referee, a road not a referee, security guard, a rosebud because a referee is a very important real job. Yeah. Um, you could be a doctor, you could be a, a wrestler that gets beat up by one of their guys, whatever role they need you in that day. And all you do is you email them, send them pictures and send them video. And whenever they come to your town or near your town, 250 miles or less, they would use you. And um, so anytime they came near my town, I would uh, I would contact them. And my friend Derek, who referees there, would help me get booked as well. And, you know, like the Rosebud, that's just what they needed, that loop. So I got to do that. That was my first time walking in front of the WWE crowd. I had my little cheeseburger outfit on. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And I remember seeing a crowd, and I remember going, I want this every day. I This is what I want. I remember seeing that crowd, walking through the grill for the first time and seeing that crowd. I was like, this is what I want every single day. And I'm, I'll never forget that. And, I mean, it, it was like a year and a half later, I, I got it. Yeah. So you got just a little bit of taste of it, what it's like, and then – it happens. You uh, get the opportunity. Uh, you get the opportunity to face Braun Strowman on Monday Night Raw, and it was on July twenty fifth, two thousand sixteen. And reason why I remember that sort of that day, well, the debut of you and that moment in the match is because you stood out like a sore thumb. Can you please tell me what is it like? How did it happen? And did you know that something special had happened? Uh, did you know that you saw it came very popular and famous, or was it just a while? Well, man, it was so nuts. So, Arn Anderson picked me for the spot because he had me throw a punch. Because uh, whoever had the spot could have thrown two punches on Braun Strowman. He see me throw a punch, and, he, and I was the smallest guy there. Mm. So I threw a good punch. He pulled me in the ring. He said, "Let me see you throw a punch on Strowman now." So I threw a punch, and he really liked my punches, which meant a lot. Because I have the utmost respect for Arn Anderson, and um, as I should, and as everyone in the wrestling business should. But um, yeah, so that's how I got the five. My daughter's saying hi. Hi, uh, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> work calling. Who's that um, random man? <laughs> oh yeah, I'm, you know I'm just a dad, you know, a blue collared man here. And my my daughter just she loves me. She's always around me. Both, just a sidetrack. Like for your daughter and um, just to see you on TV and just to, I assume that she she has the actual figure of you as well. What was that like for you? As a oh, player? yeah. Oh, it's awesome, man. I have two daughters. She's the youngest. She'll be six um, in mm. a couple of weeks. And then I have a, um, a, a, a older daughter that'll be nine years soon. The oldest one remembers it all. This one will uh, ask me to put on WWE Network every day and try <laughs> to watch something of me. And, and I told her, I said, I don't want to watch me every day, but she wants to do it. So it is cool, man. Like, when they get older, they realize that, you know, it's not normal for their dad to have action figures and T-shirts and have been on national television. Yeah. That's not a normal thing. You know, I think they'll understand it more. And it's like, wow, dad, that's awesome, <laughs> you know. Um, but, yeah, like, back to the Strowman thing, I, I knew when I did the promo, I knew, man, I think I did a good job at the Any Man with Two Hands has a fighting chance line that I just came up with on the spot. I was like, man, that sounds – I felt like it sounded good. And then once Broad Strowman obliterated me and, you know, it was very painful. And, you know, once I kind of regained my uh, – I don't want to say consciousness because I wasn't unconscious, but regained my composure. And Vince McMahon right away said, 
hey, good job, pal. I'm going to hire you. I'll be in touch. I was like, then right there at that moment, I, I felt like I had something. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, just literally. So I didn't realize it was yeah. that soon, like literally after that. Like, that's just that's something you can dream right of. The right after the match. It wasn't. Oh, man, I, I, you know, I kept it cool while mm. the remainder of the night. Um, but once I got my hotel room by myself, I just bawled. Like, oh, my God, this man told me he's going to hire me. And then, like, I didn't hear from him for six weeks. I was like, oh, man, he forgot about me. He called me <laughs> six weeks later. Hey, pal, you ready to come to TV? Like, like you know, how to get my number? What? <laughs> and he just saw something in me, man. You know, and he likes me in smaller doses. You know, I was there 2016, 2017, gone yeah. for a little while. He brought me back in 2018 for a little while. And I'm sure at some point he'll bring me back again because he just sees me as a character that comes back in small doses, which, you know, I don't mind. I'm not the average guy there, 6'2", 220 pounds. So, I'm, you know, it looks like he belongs with GQ Magazine, the average guy there. Mm. And I'm not that guy, but I do appreciate the spot he gave me and has given me. I do hope we see that, to be honest, because I thought you and Carmela like, had such a unique chemistry. Like, you couldn't be any more opposite, but, you know, they say opposites attract. But <laughs> just, be talk, just before we talk about you and Carmela, we have to discuss you being involved with a main event angle, and that's with AJ Styles and Dean Ambrose. And in my opinion, um, besides Paul Heyman's SmackDown, that was my favourite sort of run of SmackDown, 2016 to 2017. Now, can you please just, like, explain to anyone that doesn't necessarily understand uh, sort of pro wrestling and what it is that you've achieved, what it meant to you, and what was it like working with these top guys? Well, I mean, for me to have a WWE title match as the main event on SmackDown against the best wrestler in the world and watching the referee hoist the title and the whole crowd's chanting your name, like, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that, you know what I mean? Like, and I felt that when I was out there. I felt the reactions. I felt what I was doing and I, it meant so much to me and AJ was so great to work with and I mean I don't think that era of Smackdown that involved me and AJ Styles and Dean Ambrose in the main event picture will ever be forgotten I think that's how compelling the television was and man it was that was the best time of my life professionally for sure oh honestly it was awesome and I know like I'm supposed to be a host but I'm also a passionate wrestling fan. And for me, it was just so great because I've always had a soft spot for, I won't say jobbers because apparently that's offensive. Damien Demento once went off one about it. But enhancement talent, I was just like, some of the like the most famous wrestlers were sort of in that position. Jeff Hardy, you know, someone very well known. But you yourself, to achieve that run and right. beat AJ Styles sort of three times, was it supposed to last or was it just supposed to be sort of, you know, about a month, a few weeks, because it didn't last for a couple of months, that, that sort of story. I think it was, they were just writing it week to week because they didn't under, like know what they had with me. Like, we did mm. the match with AJ, the first one, and, and the ratings, people stayed around. They're like, all right, let's do it again next week. And then the ratings went up, and they just kept, like, the ratings were so good for it, they just kept doing it until it fluttered off. And I, I don't know, if, I don't think it was planned for me to wrestle him you know, I wound up wrestling him four times, and I, I don't think that was the plan. I think it, it might have been a two-match plan, but not a four-match plan. And um, that angle, but like I said, with him and uh, Ambrose and I, it was just, man, it, it was so cool. And I, I don't I don't think it was planned that long, but mm. I don't know for sure. I'm just guessing. I don't 
I, I think they were like, whoa, we got something here. We got to run with it. No, I agree. I understand that. So the ratings are strong. You got to keep with it, really. Uh, so let's sort of talk about what I just discussed before with AJ and Dean Ambrose, um, John Moxley, in case anyone doesn't know who I'm talking about. Uh, Carmella, how did that come up? You know, that was her idea. She went into uh, Vince's office one day and say, hey, I had this idea about Ellsworth being with me and helping me win matches, and I'm kind of manipulated in him. Mm. And he, Vince just loved the idea. Like, I have no clue what I would have done in WWE after the Ambrose AJ stuff. I don't know what they had planned because as soon as Vince heard that idea with Carmella, he just ran with it. And Carmella's had, I mean, she's had big cat. She had Enzo and Kaz in NXT. She had me, you know, when she first started on SmackDown, then she had our truth. And now she has this guy regional. And I think they're about to end that. Yeah. Um, but what sticks out is her and I, you it know does. what I mean? Like the R truth is, yeah, like the R-Truth stuff doesn't stick out. Enzo and Cass, that was in uh, NXT, so not a lot of people even know about that. And then the regional stuff, I don't think it's people are going to remember it in a year, you know, because I, I think he's going to be a good baby face and move on. Yeah. Um, but, like, the stuff with her and I, like you said, we were opposite. She's a beautiful, in shape, you know, uh, gorgeous woman. And, like, you have this little runt-looking dude, you know, that's <laughs> trying to be cool. And it's, like, it worked, man. People, you know, who can't? How many guys out there, you know, always wanted the hype, never could get yeah. the hype, you know, and like, and I'm that, uh, James Ellsworth was that nerdy little dude that once the hot girl would do anything for her, anything to get her. And um, I think a lot of people understood that. See, mm -hmm. like, that's what I always say. People got it right away. They understood it. It was and, great and We did 13 months of television together together 11 the first run and two months the second run 13 months of television and i mean a lot of television where we're on every week and we're doing cool stuff um and i think people never forget carmel and i doing that stuff together especially with the money in the bank thing and, and all like I, it's going to be remembered forever as well yeah i actually um was a bit gutted that we never actually got to see you against daniel bryan um would that have been like a dream match because obviously you two would sort of well, they were supposed sort of to butt heads. Was that sorry? Oh man! So at SmackDown 1000, they were supposed to do it. They had it. They had it written in booked. And when I got oh. out to the building, they're like, "Oh yeah, we're turning Daniel Bryan heel in a few weeks, so we're not doing that match." And they winded up doing like Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles against the Usos. I'm like, oh, man, I think people would have really liked me versus Daniel Bryan. <laughs> and um, so that was a bummer. Really Just even if it was for a few minutes, it would have been great <laughs> but, uh, TV. <laughs> you know, Daniel Bryan. Nah, he's he's awesome. Oh man, uh, AJ was supposed to be the special. Yeah, so for that match, AJ was supposed to be the special referee, and if I won, I'd get my job back because Paige had just fired me a few weeks before. Mm -hmm. So it would have been compelling TV, but you know that's showbiz for you. It could change at the last minute. I understand that, and can't get upset about it forever. I was upset about that for a while. I loved feeling that time. So upset. But, um, you know, you got to remember the good times and not the bad and mm. think, you know, and move on. No, that's awesome, man. I think as well, um, even with Carmella, the fashion that you were, some of the stuff that you're wearing, the wardrobe, do you still have any of it? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I sold some of it, just the stuff I didn't really care for. But the stuff, like, I, I'll never sell my Money in the Bank outfit. Mm -hmm. You know, I have my Mellow's Money shirt, and um, I'll never sell that. And, you know, a, Car a chain Carmella gave me herself, you know, I'll never sell that. Like, 
So the stuff that means stuff to me, I, I kept. The WrestleMania outfit I'll never sell. Stuff like that. Boots I wrestled for the world title in against AJ. I'll never sell those. So I, I kept the stuff that means stuff to me. Yeah, something to me. No, that's cool, man. Uh, I mean, I, I know it came to a run, but as we, you and I are still talking about to this day, um, you know, you sort of made a really strong impression, not just myself, but like the internet community. I just want to discuss as well, you challenged for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. What was that like? Well, dude, it just, you know, I, I've, I've been gone from WWE for a little bit. I was like, what mm -hmm. to do next? And I, I contacted NWA. I'm like, hey, would you guys want to do anything with me? I think. And they thought about it, and they were like, well, you want to wrestle Nick Aldis for NWA World Title? I think a lot of people will uh, be interested in it. And I'm like, heck yeah. Mm. I mean, like I said, let's rewind to the beginning of the interview here. Ultimate Warrior was WWE, or WWF at the time, and um, Ricky Morton, who I noticed back, you know, when I was a kid, was NWA. Mm. So here I am in 1988 watching the Ultimate Warrior Ricky Morton at four years old. Fast forward, you know, here uh, 30 years later, I wrestled for the WWE world title, and now I'm wrestling for the NWA world title. The titles those guys wrestled for. It's, it's, it came full circle, man. I, like, how many, there's not, how many living people in this world, I bet you it's 15 or less, can say they wrestled for both the WWE and NWA world's title. It's got to be 15 or less. I, I can't think of many at the top of my head, to be honest. Uh, I mean, you, you know, you've got AJ Styles, R-Truth, uh, uh, Ric Flair, um, you know, off the top of my head, there's, there's not a lot. But you are on done. that list of people that yeah, have done great. that. And you've made a appearance at Bound for Glory as well. Um, resting uh, Eli Drake, who's now made his debut in NXT as LA Knights. What was TNA like? Uh, man, they were nice. I did a loop with them, meaning I did some house shows with them. And I did uh, that pay-per-view. It was fun, man. Uh, great locker room, great group of guys. Mm -hmm. Um you know, it's, it's just weird. I was in a weird state then. I didn't know, like, I, I felt like WWE was about to sign me again, and then they never did. But I, I was like, man, but I really enjoyed Impact. Like, Scott Moore is a great guy. It was so fun. It was, so I, I had a good time working with them and the NWA, man. I have no complaints about anybody. I, I uh, you know, I work hard for anybody that wants to use me, whether it be an independent wrestling promotion or a televised promotion. I always work hard. Just before we wrap this interview up, I want to ask what has been your favorite match of your career? Wrestling AJ Styles for the world title. Um, that one and the match against Strowman. Because if it wasn't for the match against Strowman, I would have never been signed to WWE. So that will, that will be my favorite match. And the last question that I have is, what would be your Mount Rushmore professional wrestling? Mount Rushmore wrestlers? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh Probably Bruno San Martino, Hulk Hogan, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and John Cena. That's a all good the answer. top guys. You know what I mean? Like all the guys that made the most money for the WWE. Yeah. Nah, that's good, man. Well, I want to thank you very much for coming on to the debut episode of What You Call It Cast. I just want to know what is next for James Ellsworth. Well, the only thing sure about James Ellsworth right now is nothing's for sure. I feel like eventually I'll be popping back up on your television screen. Uh, so just stay tuned. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining me on today's episode. And uh, I want everyone to stay safe. And just so you know, there'll be more and I'll be back. Thank you, my man.